Hey guys, it's your girl, Nick, and here we are at another amazing episode of Bo Knows Business. I am so delighted for you. Every week we are meeting not only one of my Bo sisters, but hopefully we are gaining fans along the way. These are tremendous African-American businesswomen who have taken their business beyond the million dollar threshold and they share their stories. They start when they were young, telling you all, all their little inspirations as they were growing up and how they took their business to the pinnacle of success and beyond. All right. So today we have my right hand woman. This is the vice president of the Bow Collective, Ms. Tiki Favaroff. She is uh, the CEO, president of HR and Company, and we are going to get started. Welcome, Ms. Tiki. Thank you so much. What amazing opportunity to be here. I enjoy talking to you. So I'm super excited about sharing nuggets with everyone and just really share my story and my journey from here to there. And so let's just go to work. Let's get started. Wonderful. So I, I asked you before we got on, had you had a chance to you know, see the episodes and you were like, absolutely. So yes. you know where we get started. We yes. want to go take it way back. That first chapter, we want to know your Michelle Obama becoming <laughs> story. Like Tiki, I say little Tiki. What yeah. was little Tiki like? Where did you grow up? What were your yes. influences as a child? Yes. So thank you for that. So if we just pull back the curtain into my life. So born and raised in Houston, Texas to the Bell family. And, you know, I had the pleasure of going, growing up in a household with two educators. You know, my dad had a PhD, my mom had a master's. And so education was pivotal to what we did um, as a family. I'm one of four siblings. And so, you know, a very close knit family. And I do believe all in that line. So I am second to the oldest. Okay, and so there's okay. two after me. And so if I think about my journey from education, you know, I had the opportunity to public speak and to be a part of amazing organizations. And I left high school, uh, attended a college here in Texas, Texas Tech University, thinking that I would become a petroleum engineer. And so I really, so it, you may see in some of my uh, tags that I'm the people engineer. And so my junior year in college, I had an opportunity to have an amazing internship with an oil and gas company in HR. Mm -hmm. And so I came back and said, this is what I want to do. I want to help engineer and redesign what it means for people to be successful. And I came back, changed my major to business. The rest is history. And I was recruited away by a little company that people may or may not know, Target Corporation, as a part of their manager and training program. And I was hired as the, I think it was called ETR, Executive Team Leader of uh, People or Team Relations, which is people. And so that was really my first entree into understanding business and operations and how people impacted um, the operation. So for an example, if carts are in the parking lot, mm -hmm. that means people don't have carts to buy stuff, which means we can't sell. And if we're not selling, we don't have hours. And oh, so I the think target. The you Target. The Target Corporation. <laughs> and awesome. when I think about the foundation of my professional, my business, my HR experience, it was the breeding ground that really trained me on how to do multiple things and understand what the business was trying to accomplish 
and how I could help them do that through people, keep people engaged in work and their schedules and their pay and their benefits. And so fast forward, I've had the amazing opportunity to work for some amazing logos who have, you know, continued to develop me, whether it was a global organization, many industries, healthcare, MD Anderson, Cancer Center, I mean, you name it. I've just had the wonderful opportunity to support corporate America in many ways. And so in 2018, I made a decision that I wanted to support corporate in a different way, that I wanted to take the collective experiences that I had, as well as the fact that I started a family, and to begin to serve her in a way that allowed more diversity, more um, thinking outside of the box, more opportunities to really be my authentic self and to come support other HR practitioners or CEOs or founders really to accelerate what they were trying to do. And for us, our tag is about building better global citizens. It's about talent optimization and talent enablement. And we do all things people. And that's our jam. You know, I often say that we are the Navy SEALs of HR. Sometimes oh, we come that. in and people <laughs> I like that. People come in, they know that we're there, they don't know that we're there, but our sole mission is to help them help their people be successful. And however we can do that as a co-collaborator, as a thought partner, as a doer, you know, that's where we want our fellow HR practitioners to be able to show up for the business mm -hmm. and to accelerate their plans. And we've had the pleasure of doing that in many organizations. So today I live here in Dallas, Texas. That's where headquarters, our team sits across the United States. And we just love what we do. We just love what we do. Well, the, you you hit so many nuggets, and so for the first nugget, um, the consistency. I'm just I'm waiting for a ball to drop. But every single one of our both sisters, in some way, obviously, we're all motivated and inspired by our parents, right? Mm -hmm. In 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 some way, whether you had a great relationship, close knit, or whether there were some challenges, they planted those seeds. Um, I have seen, you know, sister after sister say that their parents were like dogmatic about getting that education. Yes. Striving for excellence was not an option. It was the only route. So yeah. I am absolutely not surprised that you are <laughs> that corporate America into your company. And now uh, we're so blessed to have you in the Bow Collective. Yeah. So I'm going to fast forward a little bit to where where you are now in terms of people. Um, we have a lot of our listeners, obviously, are yeah. entrepreneurs. Yeah. Before we get into your nuggets of human resource, I really want you to talk to that listener that may be the solopreneur, may have that side hustle. You know our statistics, Black women. Are, are the the typical African American women business has twenty four thousand uh, as a gross annual income, right? So we know that that's the side, and we want to help scale them. And we know that human resources is a critical thing. But I want you to give me your first memory in terms of that leap when you were a solopreneur, when you were about to kick out and and, and scale your company. What were some of your 
strategic first steps in terms of going from the stability of corporate America, if you will, to going out on your own. Right. So I think I think uh, I, I would contribute to four key factors. I think in corporate, I would say that I felt at the time that I had reached the maturation of the contributions that I could make and by choice or decision, I wasn't in the seat to decide, I could never quite get over that. Oof. And, mm-hmm. you know, and today it's really different. There's a, a bigger affinity for diversity and inclusion and more organizations are recognized. And at the time, but I also think it was, it was a part of my purpose, you know, that, you know, God wanted me to, to do something different. And so one of the things is that I, I took a moment to look at my toolkit and says, what are all the things that I've learned? Mm-hmm. Do I really love what I do? And if I could do something different, I start asking myself those questions, what would it be? And I said, I'd love to be able to support many organizations and not just sit in one organization and the politics and this and that. And so I think the first decision was deciding that I loved what I did, that I wanted to continue to do it, but I wanted to frame frame it in a different way where I could continue to have impact in the space but have a greater impact across multiple organizations. I think that was thing number one. The thing number two was I said, what would hold me back? And I was like, oh, I want to be able to pay my bills and I get paid every two weeks. And and so I started this plan in short, debt elimination and saving to cash fund my business. So every paycheck I debt eliminated. And I'd set money to the side to start this business. And so HR and Co was fully was a cash funded business, no seed funding from the very beginning. And then once I felt like I had a balance between how long could I be out before I had to go back and all these things, these contingency plans, I made a decision on August the 28th of 2018. I was like, this is it. And I turned in my resignation letter. And really, my first client was my old boss. So wow. that's how perfect, you know, that's it was another thing. <laughs> Listen to our boat listeners. I hope you are seeing the pattern that people are not just jumping and like, you know, although God is our source, but y'all got a plan and you had a client. Yes, yes. We were able, some of our government, former government contractors. Yes. Their first client uh, yeah. was their former yeah. company. Yeah. Old CEOs, prior CEOs that I used to support in a professional capacity. It's like, oh, I heard you were out. Come do this thing for me. And so I think number two was planning and being intentional and deliberate in my steps to exit so that I, I knew what my shortfall would be. I knew when I was reaching a certain threshold level where I have to say, make a go, no go decision. But then also that tenacity that once I hit the ground, really, I was on warp speed trying to understand what spaces, who do I need to connect with? How do I do this? How do I build branding? And the good thing is that I said in corporate where I could see a lot of this, I was able to take that knowledge when I've worked with the communications team or the marketing team, or we work with clients. And I was actually able to accelerate that because I had some understanding on how global and how we, I used to sit as a part of the procurement team, how we bought, you know, work. And so I think that was step number three. I think too, number three is really having a list of who my key customer was, what were their requirements and how would I actively engage them in a way to make a compelling value proposition of why us. And I think, you know, that was the first thing. And one of the things when I did that, 
was really understand where I didn't want to play and where I did and how to build momentum in that space. And then I think the final thing that allowed me to be successful and it's something that I learned from a CEO that, you know, to this day, I hold near and dear. I was his HR leader. It's land and expand. You know, initially when I jumped out, you know, people want to have high bill rates and they want to have all of this. Great. But one of the things he taught me is that having referable clients was the key to getting into doors. So when I first started, I kind of said, what was my original starting rate when I was fresh out of college? Mm-hmm. So I set that as my expectation. I said, if I could make what I made as a novice mm-hmm. in graduating, and then I multiplied that every time I got a pay raise, okay, I made this 44,000 coming out. That's what I want to make in my business. And the next year I got a 3% increase and 4% increase because I didn't want to have this expectation that I could make when I met, left making corporate because I was in a new, I was back at the bottom. I was a one in a scale of 10 mm-hmm. and recognizing that started back as a freshman to begin to do that and to move forward. So I would say for me, you know, if you are thinking as a solopreneur, understand your why, have a clear plan of when you're going to actually take mo- take flight, understand where you want to play and have realistic expectations around how to get there. I coach women today as a part of NABO and other organizations like I get it that you're worth 500 an hour and that's perfect. But on day one with no logos, nobody's going to buy that. Maybe. And so set, begin to gradually become an expert as an owner and show credibility and show reliability and show customers. And over time, that arc will change because you're going to learn more. And there's so many things that I started, didn't work out so much time doing this, that didn't work out. And so that first two years, I had to kind of learn my sweet spot. And even today, even as you scale and grow, what I did year one in the business is not going to sustain where we are in year five, year six of the business. And I have to constantly evolve and surround myself with individuals that can give me those insights to continue to reshape my perspective as I move forward. You know, that's, that's perfect. <laughs> oh my gracious. I literally am taking this, this land and expand. Land and, and expand. That's perfect. So, we also know, even though we know that 90% of businesses are solopreneurs, yeah. we also know that uh, the statistic about the million dollar business and, yeah. and how only 4% of all women-owned businesses are there. So so the difference is the, mm-hmm. the HR, right? It's right. the people. Yeah. What are the biggest challenges? You are, you are an expert. Your company knows people, you know, small business, uh, from a small business perspective, as well as corporate, what are like the top three human resource challenges and the solutions that you try to provide that, that you see are a commonality? So it's interesting as a part of the political, social, COVID, mental health that we see, you know, corporate is changing. And what they need is changing. And so we can bring tools from the past forward, but the workplace and employees are requiring something different. So if I think about the clients that we've served, let's just say over the last 12 months, top of mind has been around workplace agility, 
rethinking through how do they organize? How do they develop the skills of the future? How do they promote? How do they work in this dynamic of in-person virtual? And so, and how do we keep high levels of engagement? So workforce dynamics is really one of the things that we talk to our clients about around how to reshape what the organization will look like based upon historical models where they are today, but also to meet the future needs of what the business is asking them to do is that they've had to flex and shift as a part of all of these activities that are taking place. The second thing we've done a ton of work in, and it's been really great, is around diversity, equity, and inclusion. A lot of CEOs and leaders are wanting to move the needle beyond conversation into some real life, like we really want our company to be good and great in this space. And how do we educate our C-suite leaders, our managers, our employees, work in the community? How do we make more people feel belonging and inclusive? And really just goes beyond education. You know, we're working with the company now talking about powerful perspectives. How do we balance out what people really believe and think so that we can really begin to move the needle? And then I'd say the third space is really around uh, workforce performance, whether it's um, performance reviews, setting goals. You know, we've worked with some great partners such as Lattice and 15.5 and Bravely around bringing these capabilities, coaching so that more employees understand and have resources to know, understand what to expect, how are they measured, you know, what does that mean as yeah. far as their pay and their career growth and all of that. But Every company is unique and they need something different. And our goal is to listen, to learn and help accelerate that mission and to bring in shared practices to give leaders some ideas around what they may want to adopt, but also co-create what they need in order for them to be successful based on their organization and their people. No, that's great. I, I, um, you know, as a, as a, business owner, but also a leader of the Bow Collective, yeah. your words ring very true <laughs> because, you know, it's very different mm-hmm. leading a, you know, people where you, you're like, hey, okay, we're building a, um, we're building a, a, a lot, uh, a, a space mm-hmm. versus we're building an organization of equals. Right. How, how, what are, what are some suggestions that you have for new companies, right? Some of the issues that you talked about are for those that going out, but when you're trying to define culture, what does that look like for a new company? How do you how do you go from one person to saying this is my personality is now representing the whole? Yeah. I think it's interesting. And as a matter of fact, you know, I have the pleasure of doing this with WeBank and one of their faculty members that that teaches um, there. And so I tell individuals, you know, when you think about culture, know what your company stands for and what is the experience you want people externally and internally to feel. And that becomes your mission. And then you provide people with the knowledge, skills and tools to be able to live that every day. And it is a day one experience, how you treat people through the interviewing process, through the onboarding process, through their training, development, their growth matters because people don't necessarily leave companies, they leave managers and you have to you have to translate that all the way down. The biggest secret to being successful is transparency. When we tell people, here's where we are, 
this is where we're going. They can take flight with you. They can bring in their perspectives with you. They can say, I don't know. And it creates a moment where you can develop them or give them the training because everyone that's there wants to be all in. They may be missing something where they may opt out. And so I will tell folks that are not, they're getting ready to scale or they're thinking about scaling. The most valuable investment that you can make is the person that you invite to your party to help take your dream to the next level because it's through that partnership. And honestly, you don't want people that are just like you. So as an owner, you have to determine where are your areas of deficiency or opportunity. If you're not good with numbers, hire someone that is analytically crazy and trust them to partner with you. If you're not good with communicating, filling the holes in your boat with people that have the expertise, but also develop them and train them and give them the freedom to represent you on your behalf. You know, my team today, it's taken time to develop them, but it's like, I don't have to be there. And if you don't, slack me and raise your hand and I will come help put out the fire. But that's the whole point of creating capacity where others can continue to take it forward and to begin to execute on your behalf. (laughs) You all see why she's my right hand. Just what she just said, she was being kind because she's everything that I'm not organized, disciplined, structure, every, and I, and I, before, uh, you know, some of the other members I have known for a long time, I immediately saw your strength. Thank you. Excitement. Thank you. That, you know, that we don't go it alone. Yeah. The best leaders know what they know and know what they don't know and really get that support. I want to leave you with the final word on okay. Bo. What is, yeah. what is Bo? What is, What is your place in Bo and what are you hoping? What are your best hopes for the organization? Yes. So right now I have the pleasure of, you know, acting as the vice president of operations. And in that capacity, it is my sole desire to help this organization develop the structure, the processes and the procedures that will make it everlasting. And I know as the organization matures, things will change, but bringing that collective experience that I've had in corporate that I see for my clients and my business, my sole focus is to make sure that the foundation is set and there's a a pivot and an arc that goes from there. And again, because it is so new, having the flexibility to bring in those shared practices from different places to make it work that's going to be best for this organization. So I appreciate the opportunity to reflex that skill outside of HR to bring that knowledge in in a different way. So I think that's thing number one. I think for me personally, and, you know, I keep asking my why, there's two things that, you know, for both for me, is that one, how can I sew in to the 50 women to give them ideas, perspective, access, resources, a person to call, talk to. So how do I give? So into those that may be at the pinnacle or just starting, because I think by giving, you know, I give the grace that's given to me with every company that hires us. But also at the same time, I'm looking for a network that can sew into me and says, you know, I hadn't quite made 
20 million yet? I want to tell me how you did it. Or these are the pitfalls or, you know, how to balance work and life and your family and, you know, when to scale, when not to scale, you know, I'm looking for that. But I think the biggest component is creating the synergies and the opportunities where we can win together in the marketplace and not be competitors, but be collaborators. And the sole purpose is to help organizations deliver their best with excellence. And so if there's someone that I can reach across the aisle and say, oh my gosh, we could do this. And we're in the Microsofts or the Exxons or just mom and pop that's really ready to go. How do we come together in a model that is so unique that takes the four walls down across corporate and really delivers services in the business community that creates value for them, but creates and harness greatness for us. And so that's what Bo means for me and, you know, to be determined. And I think we're on this, this, this journey. And so keeping my mind open to flex and have agility and, you know, to have expectations, but create elasticity where those expectations can change at any moment. I love it. I am so, <laughs> so grateful uh, to you and my, my audience, our crew knows why, um, you know, you give me, uh, you, you, you take my enthusiasm and you put it with Thank hope that, that that sisterhood, that trust Thank is going to stand not only for our businesses, but it'll be our legacy that we're building together. So how does our audience, because I'm sure you're going to have a ton of people yeah. They want to know how to stay in contact with you. Let us know. Yes, absolutely. So first of all, thank you. Thank you, Nicole, for entrusting me to be a part of this community, um, for giving me the large responsibility, because again, I'm relearning skills and allowing my team and I to support the 50. So that's good. You know, how to get in touch with me. It's very easy. You can connect with me on LinkedIn, tiki.favorot at LinkedIn. You can visit our website, www.handco.com. Or you can call me, 832-445-9369. Or if you know somebody that knows me, they can give you a good referral and we can go from that. At the end of the day, we want to meet with you. We want to connect with you. If you have questions, I want to sew into you, whether it's a person or a company, because we're really doing some great things with some great organizations. And I think everybody can benefit from the nuggets that we have to share. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Guys, that ends it. Oh, I always leave so juiced, so excited for you to, to listen, to see these women in a 360 degree way. They are talented, they are human, they are vulnerable, they're brilliant, and they are my Bo sisters. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please share this with a friend. Let us know any questions or comments that you have in our chat. We'd love to get back to you. Thank you so much.